Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Brad Busick, CIO at MultiCare Health System. In part one, Busick talks about what it was like stepping right into firefighting mode as the new CIO, how having a 90-day strategy has not only helped successfully allocate funds, but also instill a spirit of collaboration among his team, what it means to be a high-reliability organization, and how Multicare has invested in both the people and the infrastructure needed to be able to capture data and make it actionable. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, the work your team is doing, um, you know, some of the challenges you're facing, and then get into some of your own career path. But I figure always the best place to start is just an overview of Multicare Health, what you have in terms of hospitals, where you're located, things like that. Yeah, you bet. So Multicare is uh, located up in Pacific Northwest. We're 20,000 plus person system, so employees, including providers. As of December, we now have 11 hospitals between Eastern and Western Washington. Um, and we define Pacific Northwest as Washington, Oregon, Montana, Idaho, and are on a pretty aggressive growth strategy from not only the expansion perspective, but I'd also say just capabilities. We have an urgent care platform um, via Indigo with a couple of hundred Indigo clinics scattered around Eastern and Western Washington uh, as well. And so uh, it's been a really cool time to come into healthcare as, uh, as we're scaling at a pretty rapid pace. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you have really a lot going on. And in terms of, of the EHR, you're on Epic pretty much throughout we are. Yeah, we're an Epic shop. We actually were one of the first shops to put in Epic um, across the country. And as you know, you know, these systems require a ton of care and, and feeding. And so uh, in that, we're in the process right now of, of Epic optimization, moving us up to Epic Foundation so that we can take advantage of the capabilities that get rolled out uh, as opposed to admiring them and watching them sit on the shelf. And so as we scale, we, we're embracing even more of Epic than we have in, in the past. Okay. Obviously, it's, it's nothing new. It's been in place for quite a while, but as you say, it's the care and feeding yeah, it really takes a lot. Absolutely. We have a obviously a team that is focused on that on that work, but if you think about the depth and breadth of, of a system like Epic, there's a lot to say yes to, um, and there's a lot to embrace. And if you don't stay on top of that, you know you quickly get behind. And so we started putting Epic in in 1997. So when I say that we were like the, one of the first in the country, we, we really were one of the first in, in the country. And now we're actively scaling to go and get up to foundation level. What exactly does that entail? Yeah, taking advantage of foundation. So for example, um, if Epic rolls out a new, think about your iPhone or your Android, whatever you use. If you're not on the latest version, you can only take advantage of certain percentage of the capabilities that get rolled out, whether that's e-check-in or Epic Native um, telehealth, those types of things. And because of different priorities and leadership changes, investing more in Epic to stay current, to stay on the latest version, which they call foundation, this hadn't been a priority. And with our new leadership team, it is now. And so that's one of our main areas of focus uh, in 2022. Okay. And new leadership team, is that, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, you bet. So I joined in March of 2020. So March 16th was my first uh, day of multi-care. And um, I got pulled out of new hire orientation. And they said, are you, are you Brad? I said, yeah. And I said, we need you up in the command center. And 
I went up to this thing that was being assembled called the command center. And what was really interesting about this is it 100% bypassed the traditional onboarding. I think that you and I are probably used to, Kate, where you're like, hey, I'm Brad. This is what I do. We didn't do any of that. It was 100% focused on we have this thing and we don't know what it is, but it's here in our hospitals and how do we support the system and our, and our community. And so that really was my fast track to developing the relationships that were needed in order to scale the, the way that we have scaled. And so fast forward to today, um, my experience at Multicare has only been COVID-based, 100% steeped in putting out those fires, whether it's, hey, we gotta go move 6,000 people virtual, or we need to set up a command center that is focused on patient orchestration throughout the entire system. And so it's been a really awesome way to bring some change, whether that's telehealth or an IVR for self-service, just things that just weren't possible, uh, I think, without the urgency of COVID. Right. It's a really interesting perspective, though. You haven't been CIO during non-COVID times. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting perspective, but I guess since that's all you've known, gone forward. But I guess at some point, maybe your strategy changes, but probably hard to tell right now how that would go. Yeah, it's actually an interesting topic. So when we talk about strategy, we've implemented a pretty rigorous uh, process that I brought with me from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And we call it the A3, but Kate, all, all it is is a plan, do, study, adjust. So every 90 days, we are actively looking at all of our capabilities We are bringing in our business partners as well as our IT team to measure those capabilities and articulate what we're studying about a certain focus area and then making adjustments as needed. So let me give you an example. In one of our PDSAs, we might be talking about self-service capabilities. Mm -hmm. During COVID, we needed a way for patients to be able to self-schedule. We would have had to hire 163 FTEs just to handle the volume of phone calls and people showing up for our COVID response. So we yeah. simply just rolled out a technology solution that allowed people to self-serve and over 100,000 people downloaded you know, the app, made their own appointments, yeah. never even had to talk to a human. And it was about a $7 million cost avoidance. But those are the types of things that have allowed us in a strategy framework to pivot and be really fluid as opposed to having a strategy document that I, you know, sits on the shelf somewhere, which a lot of systems have. It looks really pretty, except it's not executed. Uh, that's not how we're operating our shop here at Multicare. That's absolutely not how we're operating uh, here in IT. Yeah. And you said every 90 days. Can you kind of walk through like how one of those may have worked? Yeah, you bet. So we call it an A3 because that's the size of the document when it prints out. That's the paper tray size. So If it can't fit on one page, then it isn't probably strategy worthy, at least for this format. We look at every single one of these focus areas, whether it's technology and infrastructure, applications, clinical informatics, security, data orchestration. And we would say, all right, how are we looking with uh, regards to our predictive capabilities or enhanced security and micro segmentation, for example? And we have an owner for that capability. He or she gets up, articulates what we're learning, what we're observing. We're on track for our measurement for that capability and the timeline to roll that out. And then everybody gets the chance to provide feedback. uh, And we do this digitally. So you might have 60 sticky notes from all your colleagues in different parts of the organization that know nothing about security, but actually have questions or feedback like, hey, when you turn this on, it actually stopped my VPN from working 
or hey, when you guys turn this on, it actually stopped our Phillips pumps from talking. This cross-pollination of ideas has frankly been one of the ingredients that have allowed us to, to really scale. And I think IT earned the trust of our, our business partners. That's really interesting. And you know, like you said, the three, five, 10-year strategies are in a lot of organizations, they're going by the wayside because you know it's just not practical. And you know, if That's anything, right. <laughs> the last two years has shown us that. But yeah, it doesn't allow for that agility. Yeah, we go out 18 months. And even 18 months is, I'll say, sporty, but the, the magic in this process is the fluidity, the ability to pivot every 90 days, uh, and we do, and we have. So there's no ego in coming to the table saying, hey, I'm behind in this area and I need help. Or someone might just say, you know what, that's actually not important anymore. It was important 90 days ago, but it might not be important now. So let's repurpose those resources and go focus on you know, our cloud migration or our enterprise data warehouse, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. One of the other areas that I did want to talk about was I read the article from Health Tech Magazine where you talked about high reliability organization yeah. strategy. That's really interesting. And I feel like it's not something we've heard as much about. So I kind of just wanted to get into what your strategy is there and, you know, why that's important. Yeah. So at a 50,000 foot view, when you talk about high reliability and you combine that with a retail experience, if you were to go to the mall today and try to go to the Apple store, it was closed, except you didn't know it was closed. Or you walked in and grabbed your iPhone and turned it on and took two steps out the door and it stopped working, that'd leave a fairly bad taste in your mouth. And I don't know that we apply that same level of thinking or retail slash consumer thinking to healthcare. Um, at least in the way that we should. And so the premise uh, and the idea of high reliability goes beyond patient safety. But as we think about it from a technology perspective, can I apply predictive capabilities to keep our equipment up so that we actually know it's going to go down before it goes down and we deploy the right tech to the right place at the right time to go fix that CT or that MRI? The same is true for our buildings. When I think about you know, patient comfort. What if that HVAC system is really struggling and our patient rooms are really, really hot? That's a big deal, right? Because patient comfort is really important. And so there's technology application that we can apply and rigor, I think, that can be applied to make sure that people view multi-care as a reliable system. Hey, I know that I'm not going to get stuck in a CT machine because it's, it's been taken care of. Um, and that might sound kind of far-fetched, except it's, it's not this type of equipment is really fragile. And so um, the premise of that argument was in support of our HRO journey, we want to be highly reliable and we want to put processes in place where we cross-check each other to say, hey, let's stop the line. We've got something that looks a little bit out of the norm here. Let's talk about it and see if this is isolated or if, if in fact it's a system-wide issue. You mentioned the analytics, which I'm sure plays a big role in this. So as far as what needed to be in place, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, you bet. With data, and I think, I mean, you and I see this a lot, Kate, in the, in the industry, more than any point in history, we have more data than we know what to do this. So how do you take data and turn it from something that's interesting to something that's actionable? And the analytics that we're gathering from our equipment, particularly in this use case, um, but you can even expand it to be in the smart building space. I mean, this is a $126 billion industry with a compound annual growth rate of 24% over a seven-year period, right? So this is not a small space. Yeah. 
And in this, it's one thing to gather the data. It's another thing to actually do something with it. And so back to the strategy conversation, we knew this was a capability around predictive that we needed to grow, particularly in the clinical space. And so we invested in both the people and the infrastructure to be able to capture that data, analyze that data, and then actually do something with it. And I think a lot of systems stop short of the last two. They'll capture the data because that's probably the easiest piece to comply with, but then yeah. they don't do anything with it. They admire it. And so we, we are yeah. not in the admiration game. We, we actually go and do something with it. And that's been a really fun journey here for Multicare. That is the big piece and something that, that has been a challenge. And I know there's, there's no easy answer, but what do you think is the difference in being able to take that next step? Yeah, I, I think it's the uh, investment in, in the people. It's one thing to, I think, have the vision for what the technology can do. It's another thing to bring your team along with you to go and execute it. So let's, let's take smart equipment as an example. When we decided to invest in the infrastructure to go and monitor our critical equipment, MRIs, CTs, we brought our staff along to say, hey, this is a new way of thinking about this rather than being reactive and getting there when the machine's down and you've got a really unhappy patient that's either in the middle of a procedure or would need to be rescheduled to come back. What would it look like for you, for your spouse, for your family, if someone didn't have to come back, if it was actually the machine just worked when they showed up? And yeah. everybody can conceptually get behind that. And they'll say, well, we're going to try this on. And so we rolled this out to a really small subset of, of data with a, a team of, of five people. And we said, let's monitor this equipment. Let's change our processes to um, strategically look at these alerts that are going to come. And then let's cut all this data, carve out the noise and just say, all right, I want to know when a tube filament is going to burn out or when a magnet monitor is going to freeze over. Since we've done this, not only has the team seen the, the fruit of this, because now we're actually focusing on the real issues that could actually take a machine down and, and fixing it at night or over the weekends. But the win is really back to the HRO piece for our patients, because in some cases, we're saving patients from unnecessary x-ray exposure due to multiple scans, or if your first scan gets stuck in the middle. So we're avoiding all of that. But more importantly, we're avoiding downtime, right? So if I can actually go and have a staff member fix a machine, that saves me, in some of these cases, three plus days of equipment being down. And that's, that has patient implications. It has revenue implications. And so we are really, really thoughtful about that. And because of the success we've had in the first nine months of doing this, we're actually uh, growing that team and also growing that platform. And that's got to be such a huge part of it, being able to you know, point to those metrics. And you know, I'm sure that that helps a lot towards getting support for it. Absolutely. The really interesting part is this is an IT actually out banging the drum saying, hey, look what we've yeah. done for you lately. These are our hospital presidents okay. going, wow, we've had some pretty incredible uptime for um, this piece of equipment because of the cool work that uh, IT's done. Um, and in most cases, they don't care how it's done, but the yeah. end result is better patient experience, higher reliability. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.